today on the On Enquirer podcast. Michael Tulip joins us to break down Illinois' loss, 83-78 at number one Purdue. What went so wrong in that first eight minutes or so? What went well for the team later? And did Purdue give a blueprint on how to defend Illinois when Ty Rogers on the court? Or... Uh, can other teams actually replicate that without Zach Eady? We dive into that. We look ahead to a huge week for Illinois basketball that includes home games against Michigan State, an up-and-down team right now, but one that is very talented. Uh, and then Maryland, probably the most disappointing team in the Big Ten, along with Michigan. Uh, we go across the rest of the Big Ten as well. Uh, but the biggest question hovering over this program, of course, after what I, the News Gazette, WCIA, and a lot of people reported on Monday evening is Will Terrence Shannon be in uniform for Illinois? That all depends on how a judge in Champaign County rules on Terrence Shannon Jr.'s motion for a temporary restraining order against the University of Illinois. He is alleging he was not given a fair process, due process, in the university's suspension of him, in the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics suspension of him. So this TRO will be heard by a judge either on Tuesday, I'm recording this on Tuesday, so there could be breaking news shortly after I record this podcast, or Wednesday, uh, and the judge will rule on it. Either party can appeal that ruling, but if the TRO is granted, Shannon's lawyers hope he could return to the team by Thursday's game against Michigan State. A TRO would last 10 days before a preliminary injunction hearing. Now, if that preliminary injunction hearing takes longer then that TRO could be extended if both parties consent to it. I do want to mention here, this is a civil case. This is not the criminal case. So this is just about what to do in the interim, what the university can do if they followed a fair process to come to the conclusion to hold him out. Because in the next three months, Terrence Shannon, it's an important three months for him to prove his worth to the NBA and the trial probably would not start until after this college basketball season is over. So the TRO is let, you know putting out there that this has huge negative implications on Terrence Shannon and that it is not fair to do that. And the trial probably wouldn't be over until after the NBA draft. And we know that uh, the NBA draft, um, his stock would really fall if he doesn't play the rest of the season. And obviously his legal case will have a lot to do with that. And he's still going to have a lot of questions regardless based on the the reports that are coming out and the uh, police affidavits that are coming out. He's going to have questions. But uh, that's what this TRO is all about, that in the meantime, until he is criminally judged and is allowed that due process, The TRO is saying that Illinois needs to treat this as status quo, that he should be innocent until proven guilty. They believe he has not been treated that way. So this is a civil case against the University of Illinois Board of Trustees and Timothy Colleen about their process, about their misconduct policy. Uh, University of Illinois spokesperson Robin Kaler said in a statement yesterday they will review the filing and defend the student-athlete misconduct procedures, which they say is a fair process. The TRO complaint suggests it is not. Along with this 28-page TRO document, we receive a lot of documents involved here that provided more insight than we have ever seen. And before I dive into this, I do want to make people aware there could be some graphic um, details I'm about to share. So if you have kids in the car or whatever, I just want to allow you the chance to go ahead uh, and skip ahead for a little bit if you'd like. But the Lawrence Police Department probable cause affidavit 
is included in this and has interviews with the alleged victim and her friend who say that the accuser and Shannon met each other briefly in a crowded bar. Shannon grabbed her buttocks and penetrated her with his finger for five to ten seconds. She, she froze before leaving. She said there was no restraint or confrontation. Uh, she searched for him online after returning home, searching the Kansas, Kansas State, and Illinois rosters. She found him on Illinois and uh, one of Illinois' Instagram pages. Uh, she saw Shannon was at the Kansas game. So she called police the next day and then went for a sexual assault exam. And then that process began. Some other details we have learned is Shannon's legal team suggests he will suffer irreparable harm if he is not allowed to play because a trial wouldn't happen until after the season is done and likely after the NBA draft in June. And we know that Shannon's stock could be affected just by these accusations, right? Um, What we've learned is the physical evidence, there is no video recording of this from the bar. There's video recording from the bar, but of the incident, there does not seem to be you know, smoking gun video uh, of Shannon and this woman together because of the angle of it, where the camera's working. Uh, but they do have cameras of Shannon at the bar, the woman at the bar, and them being around the same area. We also learn a U of I graduate assistant drove Shannon to and from Lawrence at the discretion of the Illini coaching staff and checked with the coaches uh, during the visit. He did not witness the criminal act, he said in an affidavit, and the Los- Lawrence Police Department did not interview him nor Justin Harmon, who was in Kansas with Terrence Shannon, uh, according to this TRO complaint. We also learned the U of I conduct panel upheld Shannon's suspension late last week. Illinois has not informed us about that. Uh, Shannon was allowed to write a statement to them, but was not allowed to speak in front of them, according to this complaint. Um, I also want to say the U of I graduate assistant driving Shannon to and from Lawrence um, Josh Whitman said he was not there on official university business, but he was there with the University of Illinois employee there with a graduate assistant. Uh, Shannon intends to plead not guilty at his arraignment on January 18th. There's there's a lot of other documents in here, but I think those are the main takeaways. Listen, I took one journalism law class on the First Amendment. I took two constitutional law classes. I am not a legal expert. I don't know how the judge will rule. Uh, I am interested to see how much discretion a university has allowed to suspend one of its students, one of its student athletes, because as Michael McCann, sports lawyer, he says, there is no legal right to play a college sport and within reason due process, colleges have a lot of discretion to suspend suspend student athletes from activities, including sports, um, and one charged with rape, you would think the university has some discretion in in doing some of those things. But I think the whole TRO complaint is, was he given due process? Was there enough of a fair process in this misconduct policy that Josh Whitman crafted? Is there enough fair process there for Terrence Shannon? Let's find out what the judge thinks. Um, But to me, this is Shannon and his strong legal team challenging Illinois and potentially eventually obviously the Kansas DA who they seem to have a lot of problems with to bring up evidence once this goes to a preliminary injunction hearing so we will see but obviously Josh Whitman's misconduct policy is under the microscope here if the court rules in favor of Shannon and grants the TRO you also got to say if that happens and he's eligible to play it would allow Illinois off the hook I guess to allow him to play Again, I, I have so many questions about that, why they wouldn't be able to 
decide whether they want to play the student athlete who's has a rape charge against him but they could just say see the court ruled this nothing we can do we tried and allow him to play so again i have so many questions if this is granted but that's the next step in the process and i imagine we'll hear from whitman and underwood if it is granted to know how they would handle this but the tro first must be granted and we'll see how that plays out we'll see what happens next so stay tuned We'll talk basketball, Illini basketball, with Michael Tuop coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, my favorite protein plus, and more. Plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. So forget the frenetic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals all delivered straight to your door. So stress less over mealtimes in the new year. Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals free up time otherwise spent shopping, cooking, and cleaning up. No more wasted time in the kitchen. Head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. All right, it's time to catch up with our guy, Michael Toop, one acquire basketball analyst. And uh, we got uh, a big week ahead, Mike, uh, both on and off the court for Illinois basketball. But let's start with what happened before uh, since the last time we talked, which is Illinois went to number one Purdue and gave him a game, 93-88. It was mostly... Gave him a late push, kind of similar to last year. This felt a lot like last year's game. And Illinois had a terrible start, pretty promising finish. But uh, just overall, what stood out most to you in that loss at Mackey? It was a valiant effort. Um, Being able to mount multiple comebacks on a team like that and put yourself in position to almost win that game is is certainly impressive. But, But to me, the game was lost in the first half you can't get blitzed on the glass like that to start the game just a lack of awareness on the glass some of that comes out of trapping but some of that is just I thought guys standing and watching yeah um and then if you don't win the non-Zach Eady minutes against Purdue it's kind of a wrap uh and those last seven minutes or so of the first half where you got I think outscored by eight um I think that that kind of did them in. So encouraging that you can throw a punch back like that, but you, whether it's the number one team in the country or just a road game in the Big Ten, that that can't be your effort on the glass to start the game. And I, th- I thought that's what got Purdue going. Which is kind of what this team has not been, right? Like Tennessee, they, they showed toughness uh, for, for most of the game, Ford Atlantic through that what do you attribute that to is that just the ed um i guess the the zach ed presence it looked like they were a little hesitant around the rim at the beginning uh but also just mackie like the, the presence of mackie like what do you attribute that to yeah when you think of tennessee when you think of fau when you think of those other bigger wins that they have this year you could kind of go in and play your game and play your defense and run what you want to run offensively 
And we'll get into how Purdue guarded them, but it's different when you are not a post-trapping team and you play against Purdue. Northwestern is a post-trapping team. That's what they do all year. They do it every practice. And it's not just, hey, we know when to post-trap. It's when we do post-trap, we know where the other guys are supposed to go and we know how to rebound out of it. Um, and Northwestern got smoked on the glass against Purdue too, but I just felt like there was a lot of thinking in the beginning of that game. A lot of thinking of like, okay, well, like the ball is going to go there. And if it goes there, am I the low man? Cause if I'm the low man, I'm the one that has to go trap. Okay. I'm gonna go trap. And then you have the other guys that are like, okay, the trap's happening. Now I got to see. And if you're trying to process all of that, you, you're not putting yourself in position to just play and play instinctually. Whereas Purdue they get trapped every game. Mm-hmm. They know when to dive, when to cut, when to, you know, that's why Trey Kaufman Wren gets going like he does. Cause oftentimes it could be another big helping on to Edie. And this dude's just got a free run at the basket. So that's what I attribute the defensive end to, but the offensive end, we'll get into like the Ty Rogers element of this, but I mean, Zach Eady alters shots, man. And whether or not he gets a hand on him, you can tell that he's felt in the area. I mean, the amount of shots that were short-armed when when he was in the vicinity. and But it's not just Eady, it's Mackey, right? It's They're scoring, they're they're being able to set their defense, and they're getting second-chance opportunities. They had eight second-chance points before the under-16 media. Mm-hmm. You ain't winning many games like that. You're, this team's talented enough to overcome that. Against Purdue, that's a whole different story because they, they tend to not shoot themselves in the foot throughout the game. Yeah. All right, so we've heard this term dorking by uh, Brad Underwood before, and that's what Purdue did with Ty Rogers. Did they give the book on how to defend Illinois when Rogers on the court? Is this replicable for other opponents? And and do you think Brad Underwood took too long to adjust in that game? Well, I just threw a lot at you, sorry. Yeah, well, speaking of taking too long, that's what I'm going to try not to do to – to break this down. Do I think the book is out? No, I think people have known this about Ty Rogers since last year. He wasn't a shooter last year. He's not, he hasn't been a shooter this year. Now, is this really the first team that's guarded them like that? Yes. FAU, Tennessee, Rutgers. I mean, Missouri switched one through five and they pressed. I mean, like Missouri FDU, Northwestern, I kind of all bunched together because it was either run and jump press or they they did things outside of maybe what a Purdue does with more pack line principles. Uh, but they planted Edie in the lane. And FAU, Tennessee, and Rutgers, they kind of guarded Rodgers straight up. Mm-hmm. I, I went back and watched some of those games. Now, Connect was guarding Rodgers, and he kind of sold out on the help on pick and roll stuff. But they didn't plant a guy in the paint. So – that is definitely new. So there's a couple ways to combat that. One, you can make Ty a screener. And if you're going to make him a screener, my opinion on it is that it can't just be, hey, Ty, go be a screener and just like run around and start screening all over the place. Because I don't think they're generating enough out of that for that to be his main responsibility when he's not being guarded. Um, now their other way of combating that that they've tried is these step-up actions where um, he's available on a skip pass, and then that skip pass goes right. We talked about it goes right into a dribble flip with the guy on on the on the wing with them. The difference is that dribble flip, whereas if Damas skips it and you're flipping to Terrence Shannon going off with his left hand, 
that's now Luke Goody. And you saw even in the second half, they did the step up, they flipped it to him, and Goody had like kind of a two dribble to his left pull up that didn't, it was kind of contested. It wasn't a great shot. Uh, so that's what they've tried to do as well. So they can keep repping that and try to get better at that. I think there's open shots you can get out of it in the right situations. But to me, having him in that dunker spot or having him in that short corner is where he can be the most potent. Now, if you're going to do that, you have to attack that big that's planted in the paint. Because mm-hmm. if you attack that big that's planted in the paint, whether it's off like a middle ball screen getting downhill at him or it's you know just, just catch and rip trying to get into the paint and beat your man and, and make Zach Eady have to make a decision, if that man helps uphill and helps at the ball, Ty Rodgers is open for a dump off or a lob. If Ty Rodgers isn't open for a dump off or a lob, it's because somebody came in sink and fill, you know, on, on a sink and fill from the wing. Mm-hmm. And if they came in from the wing, now you have a wing guy that's open for three. So you're not dead to rights if Ty Rodgers is in the game. Right. But like you, you have to be able to execute and read out of it. Cause if you don't execute and read out of it, we'll show the film. They didn't execute and read out of it. And, and that is really going to hurt your offense. And there is a difference between seven, five Zach Eady and say like six, 10 Maddie Sissoko, right? Like that, I, that's why I feel like Purdue great, great wrinkle by, by uh, Matt Painter. Piper wondered if he could do it and they did. And like, is it as easy for other teams to do this? I doubt it without a seven, five guy. It's not as easy because the, the difference for Edie is that because he's so big, he has the ability to not have to commit uphill Mm-hmm. still get a hand up while also not taking himself out of position to, to kind of drop back off and find Rogers. So that's the difference. Cause I, Sissoko, I think is what six, nine, when you're talking about seven inches, 75 pounds and that, that no question, no question makes a difference, but not because it is a personnel thing. Cause the other thing you have to think about for teams that are going to play against Illinois is do they have a Zach Eady? No, can they plant a big down there and have have that person be air traffic control while they're guarding Rodgers? Yes, but what does the rest of their personnel look like? Because Purdue can do this because first, Gillis, Trey Kaufman, Wren are more mobile four men that you can put on a Coleman Hawkins and you don't worry about like blockouts or put on a Quincy Garrier or just like I, I think about like an Indiana yeah, as just maybe another team where they plant renew in the paint, and then maybe Ware is long enough and and athletic enough to be able to hold his own on the perimeter and guard Hawkins and show on screens, and uh, so that's maybe a wrinkle. But for the most part, you can do this. Do I think teams are going to do this? Yeah, I think some will, but can you do it as effective as a Purdue when you don't have that personnel? That remains to be seen. Now, the last two points that I'll make is. If, and it might be three points, so I apologize. If it does come down, like that under-16 media, Dane Danger was the first substitution. I think that should have been Justin Harmon. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring in Harmon for Rodgers in that first media, now you at least quicker have a realization of, okay, what does the contrast look like? And, and then also, in a game like that against Purdue, under no circumstances can Dane Danger and Ty Rodgers ever be on the floor together. Like ever, yeah. Like they were that five man grouping without Dane and Ty. 
that was Goody, Damask, Harmon, Hawkins, Garrier. They were almost 1.5 points per possession when they yep. played together. They had two different scenarios where they scored on six straight possessions, one in the first half, one in the second half. So most teams, if they have a guy like Ty Rogers and a team's guarding them like that, they got to find ways to execute and play through it. And I think this Illinois team still does because Ty's that valuable on the other end. Mm-hmm. But not many teams can just say, all right, well, come out. Here's our five-man lineup that spaces the floor, puts you in all type of tough situations defensively. Um, so that that's that's something that they they have to figure out. But they they have um, you know they have answers for it if that's what teams wants to go to. Yeah, and you mentioned it. If a team doesn't have the personnel like a Purdue or even in Indiana, I think that's a great point. A team like that could certainly do it. Um, then you have matchup issues with Gary A or, or Hawkins that you could go towards right like that seems like that would be the pivot uh against some other teams yeah no question uh especially teams that maybe want to play like a four guard lineup and plan a big down there with rogers now you got four guards and who's gonna can you stop quincy gary when he when he crashes the offensive glass can you stop coleman hawkins when he crashes the offensive glass coleman's show that he's he's good in those situations where you can feed him in the long post or short post and, and if you want to send that other big over, now he's making reads out of it. Coleman's been really good at that this year. So just that's why this is the sixth-ranked offense in the country right now is because they're not one-dimensional. It's not just, hey, we got this, this one issue. This is how teams are going to guard us. Oh, man, let's figure it out. But like I said, they will have to play through that in, at certain times because of what Ty offers you defensively and and on the glass because I, I get it from a coaching perspective in a way uh, like I said I would have gotten them out earlier to see what you have uh, with that other five-man lineup but you're also getting whipped on the glass and not being able to get stops so if you're looking out on the court you're like oh well there's arguably our best rebounder who had 15 a couple games ago there's Ty Rogers there's you know great defender great oh we need him on the floor because we need to get stops and rebounds but stops and rebounds don't matter if you can't catch up offensively. So, and luckily Harmon can come in and, and make an impact on on that end as well. By the end of the game, Illinois was what one point one five points per possession <laughs> at the end of it. So yeah, uh, it wasn't the only issue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Marcus Damask, Mike, is the Big Ten Player of the Week. 58 points on 17 for 29 shooting, 11 assists uh, last week in those two games. I know we keep bringing it up, but, I mean, this is this is awesome. What, what he is doing offensively, what impro- impressed you most uh, about him during that game against Purdue? I mean, if you're Illinois, you're like, can we find an extra year of eligibility <laughs> for him, for Gary, for, for Harmon? Um, that's what's bittersweet about these – you call them one year rentals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Damask has so much game. He's just he's such a weapon. When they've when they've shifted things to to booty ball, and um, that certainly unlocks some things for for Damask. But also, they're running high ball screens with him. We saw him come off, um, you know, screen late or guys mid mid second half, and 
hit that three. You know, hopefully that that gets him going. But it seems to not matter for him in terms of oh man, smaller matchup back down. He had Ethan Morton on him, who's six seven, two fifteen. Uh, he just his footwork. It's it is like I said. It's it's such a weapon to have, and he was already trending this way. So when Terrence, you know, was was out, uh, you had a guy that not only was naturally going to slip into that role, he's accepted it and taken ownership of it. And man, I mean, you want to talk about what twenty nine a game mm-hmm. in 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 that week? That's that's Northwestern. That's one of the better teams. These are two of the be- one of the better. Uh, defensive teams in in um, in the conference, so uh, extremely impressive. And we'll see how long Terrence is out. If it is a season long, whatever that ends up being, but they they got a guy. They yeah. got a guy that, if need be, can can take over games. And we'll see late game type scenario where, uh, but but you'll feel you feel pretty comfortable with the ball in his hands. I was asking somebody at the game, do you have a comp for him? Like I I'm trying to think of a. A Big Ten player quite like him here recently. I, I, I mean, he's not as athletic, and this may not be a great comp, but just the way that Wisconsin posted Johnny Davis. Yeah. Um, it just created so many issues. Uh, again, John, Johnny's much, much, a much better athlete, mm-hmm. but – I think in certain ways, like both of them don't necessarily rely on their outside shot. They get a lot in the intermediate. That's that's the comp that comes to mind. Now yeah. you're talking about the Big Ten Player of the Year <laughs> and a, a lottery pick, but there's there's definitely some similarities. We talked about Greasel. It's kind well. of. I think he has so much more game than Greasel. He does, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it's tough, man. He's kind of an enigma. He's and that's what makes him so hard to guard. Yeah. All right. I, I didn't think Quincy Garrier had a good start to the game. I, the first 10 minutes, I didn't think we're very good. But, boy, he ended it well. Last 30 minutes, he was really good. Coleman Hawkins had some some moments that weren't great, but I thought he was their best player for, until Domask went off uh, at some point. Uh, and at the end of the day, these guys, you know, produced for Illinois in, in this game uh, and, and gave Purdue some matchup issues. So, I mean – we're kind of hitting on some of the same points week after week, but these guys are both playing the best basketball of their career. So what makes them as a tandem such a problem for teams, Mike? Yeah, we talk about Damask and we talk about the way that they're able to back back opponents down and the way they're able to play offensively. It's in large part because of these two and their ability to space the floor. I, I think in their last five games, they're 23 for 45 from three between the two of them. 51%, uh, I think – um Coleman Coleman's 14 to 29 and Quincy's nine to 16 that is that is high level and that's only going to help your offense because these two guys are going to continue to command respect on opposing scouting reports and that just spaces thing out it's more room for Damas to operate it's more room for Rogers to operate Harmon to operate um so that's that's really really encouraging to see but also when you factor in uh Coleman's passing ability with Quincy's cutting ability, it's a it's just a really good marriage. I mean, think about the the three dunks that Quincy Garrier has this year that maybe come to mind. Four, I can think of four just off the top of my head. You got Coleman throwing an alley oop in the FDU game to to Quincy. You got Quincy 
dive cut against Northwestern for a dunk. That's a pass from Coleman Hawkins. Uh, you got, uh, let's see, the Rutgers game. Quincy goes back door. That's, that's a delivery from Coleman Hawkins when he gets cut off. Uh, and then in this game, you get Purdue that wants to double the post. Quincy cuts from the corner. Fletcher Lawyer doesn't see it. Delivers over the over the top because he's 6'10". And when you have a, a tall passer that can make those reads and a really good cutter, so like I said, that's a really good marriage. And so that has worked out so well. Both of them, I think, have rebounded well. Um, Sands first part of that Purdue game. Um, but they're they're so smart defensively. So that that helps as well. The ability to switch one through five at certain times. So um it's the beauty of a really good team because all these pieces have to make sense together for you to kind of unlock your potential. And those two guys, those two guys play a really big role. Okay, Mike, I won't ask your legal opinion, uh, but uh, Terrence Shannon's lawyers file for this temporary restraining order to play immediately. Uh, what do you think basketball wise of this, whether it's how the team would handle it, how Terrence would handle it, what it mean for the team uh, if he does return to play? When you say how the team would handle it, just I, I mean it's it's been it's been emotional right i would imagine these last several weeks is it easy for them just be like okay he's back let's let's go like i i don't know like i just don't know you hear all the noise you know who he is he's been going through this uh i just it's a it's another change for the team so i, I just don't know how they'd handle it. if he's cleared to play you play him <laughs> i mean you you can't you kind of I shouldn't say you have to, but um, if he gets cleared, there's no doubt he makes your team better. Mm -hmm. Now it's just a matter of if he does play, thinking about the kid, how are you able to compartmentalize that? Um, Are you the same Terrence Shannon? Uh, Does it impact his play? And if things continue and he is cleared to play, think about road environments. Um, yeah, if he were cleared this week, the one thing he has going for him is their two home games would be huge for him, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, no question. So, I think just a lot still has to play out here, but I I do think that if he is cleared with that, with that TRO, you you got to play him. Um, now do you get into hey, does he start? Does he come off the bench? I mean, what to me, I not that doesn't really matter because I think regardless, he's going to play a lot. Uh, if he, if it does get granted, but we'll see. I mean, this team has obviously um, been doing well without him, but you could see in stretches again in that Purdue game, not having anyone. Damascus great backing down and pivoting and getting to those little kind of flips and and um, hook shots and fadeaways, but they really miss somebody right now that can like get to that last layer of the defense, like like Terrence Shannon can. So. Again, we'll we'll see how this plays out, um, but but if he is cleared, you got to play him. Big stat that I noticed uh, at the end of this game: fast break points, Mike, zero, zero. It, that's different when, when Terrence Shannon is on the court. All right, huge matchup Thursday. Uh, Michigan State has been playing better for the most part for the last month, but uh, lost to Northwestern looked phenomenal again at home and in their blowout win over the Spartans. What do you think of this matchup? What are the keys for Illinois against Sparty? Well, the keys, first things for, first and foremost, protect home court. It just, if you want to get to where you want to get in this league, you just, you got to take care of home court. 
Um, be the more physical team. That's what Northwestern did to him. You heard Tom Izzo after the game that that seemed to bother him the most was that they got out physical. So I, I'd expect a, a physical game. Um, and, and physicality on on cuts, on blockouts, um, cuts both offensively and defensively. If they want to cut, they call it chucking the cutter. You know, make sure that guys they feel bodies and make sure that offensively you're setting up your cuts. Um, but you have to keep them out of transition. This is this is a Tom Izzo team. I mean, this is a very Tom Izzo team. They they try to get out in transition. They're really good when they get out in transition. And then in the half court, you know, they'll run their floppy action, sending guys off the baseline. They'll set pin downs for for Tyson Walker. If you want to switch uh, likes or switch one through four or switch one through five, they'll start with maybe a, a double drag screen to start. And then the big goes into a pin down for Tyson Walker. So you, you got to be aware of, of what they do offensively because they still have good offensive player. They're, they're shooting it better from three than they were earlier in the season. Uh, they'll still run middle ball screens with AJ Hoggard. Um, so, so I'd expect like last year when Illinois played them at home, that they're going to try to shrink the game. They're going to try to play that game in the middle third of the floor because they play drop coverage. Illinois plays drop coverage. Um, so it's going to become like a two on two game at times in the middle of the floor. And then for Michigan state defensively, you even saw in that Northwestern game, Barnheiser went to some, some booty ball against, uh, against Tyson Walker. And at times they would send a second guy or they would attempt to send a second guy. So if that's the case, you know, you're playing out of traps again. And, and you're, you're swinging the ball around, making the right reads, making the one more pass, open threes, open driving lanes. You, you got to play. Um, and this team's getting used to playing with each other. But who knows? Maybe you have an extra guy um, on Thursday. And all that all that factors in. But um, this is about as prototypical as a Michigan State teams get. Maybe not with, like, the high-level pro talent, mm-hmm. but – they, they do a lot of the things that Tom Izzo wants to do. I mean, offensively for Illinois, this is a matchup team. Like, you you match up pretty well offensively, I would imagine, with this team. I mean, Augard, Walker, Akins, like, all, all those guys are a little bit smaller. Holloman, uh, six foot two, 180. Uh, but boy, those guys, those guys can scoot too. Tyson Walker's yeah. a handful. And I'm interested to see who checks them, whether it's, uh, uh, Ty Rogers, Justin Harmon might have to step up there, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, and I do wonder if they start Tyson Walker on on Luke Goody. Mm. You know, now you have Akins and and Hoggard guarding um, guarding Damask and guarding Rogers. And if that's the case, now you could see in that Purdue game when they went with that that kind of five-man lineup that was really, really good for Illinois. And you can still do this with Ty in there, but do they try to keep those matchups or do they switch likes? Because Purdue tried to keep the matchups. And if they try to keep those matchups, meaning, okay, Luke Goody's coming over to set a screen for Marcus Damask and Tyson Walker is simply just going to show and recover and get back to Goody, if that's the case, you got to send Goody and have him slip like a madman. Mm-hmm. out of those screens because that's going to create confusion. That's going to create paranoia because of his shooting ability. Maybe that opens things up for Marcus Damask. But if they are going to switch, you know, those are those are matchups that you can exploit. So chess match happens. There's going to be a chess match every game with with, with the way that Illinois plays and the, and the way that way that you have to guard them. 
boy, was I wrong about Maryland, who comes to to State Farm Center on. on we Sunday. all were <laughs> nine and six, one and three in the Big Ten. I thought, hey, they beat Penn State in overtime, UCLA. Uh, beat some patsies on the schedule. Maybe they're getting right, and then they lose by 14 to Purdue uh, at home, and then they go to Minnesota and lose. Look out for Minnesota. But um, that brings me up. Which team is more disappointing to you in the Big Ten so far, Maryland or Michigan? Well, Michigan's been awful, Mm -hmm. like really bad, and it's still Maryland. (laughs) Because compared to Michigan, in Michigan you lose Hunter Dickinson. You lose some some really important pieces. you know, Jet Howard. Um, yes, you returned Doug McDaniel. You got some transfers, but Maryland returned their core. Yep. And not only did they return their core, I thought some of the transfers, they, I thought Jordan Geronimo would have fit in nicely there just because he is a plug and play type of guy. But they are so bad offensively. Yeah. Their, their ability to, their inability to shoot the basketball is really, really plaguing them. They can't really play through Reese in the post. That's just not necessarily his game. Um, Dante Scott has been great this year. Young is at least shooting almost 35% from three, but the rest of them, I mean, the rest of these guys are almost like sub 20. And now teams are just kind of packing things in and daring them to shoot. So that's, that's, that's tough because if you can't, if you can't make baskets, you can't set your defense. So it's just it's a ripple effect right now for Maryland. Now, do I think they could turn it around? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I mean, they they've been they've been that bad this year. Uh, but I mean, they're 165th offensively. They were 36 last year, and they still didn't really shoot the ball well last year. But they they did some other things well where. Um, you know, I think they were in their, they were in the top 60 and taking care of the ball last year. They're 177th this year. Um, just a lot of regression on, on, on that offensive end, which is surprising when you return your core. All right, Mike, who are you buying more or who do you trust more to finish the job and make the NCAA tournament? Indiana, who started three and one to big Dem play or Northwestern who has wins at home over Purdue and Michigan state two of the rare potential quad one victories at home, which, which team do you trust more to get to the big dance? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, I think, I, I think Northwestern, I trust more because give me not only the team that defends and takes care of the ball, uh, doing those two things will put you in, put you in games. Um, unless, Unless you're playing, unless you're playing Illinois at home, right. uh, but also give me give me the best player between yep. those two teams, and I think that's I think that's Boo Booey. Um, you know, I, I just the way Northwestern plays again, I, like Indiana is teetering on having neither a top hundred offense or defense, mm-hmm. which is really hard because most Big Ten teams there's like a you know you have the Illinois and Purdue's that are that are really good at both Wisconsin's you know, pretty good at both, but even in Iowa for how bad they are defensively, they at least are pretty good offensively nationally. And you see different teams kind of have these sliding scales on both sides. I mean, this Indiana just hasn't been great on either end. Um, Now that's a good win against Ohio state that they, that they had. And even their next two games are Rutgers and Minnesota. So there's a chance they could be five and one 
mm-hmm. in conference. They could both get into the tournament. Um, but if you were to have me pick, I'd say I'd say Northwestern. Um, who you buying more? Minnesota, three straight Big Ten wins. Nebraska, I just saw in the bracket matrix, a, a 12 or 13 seed right now in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they got a couple good wins. Who you buying more? I mean, Ben Johnson alive yeah. right now. Yeah, I credit both of them. I mean, Ben Ben Johnson and and Fred Hoiberg. <clears throat> I think both of them probably came in to this year with a uh, high temperature yeah. on their on their seats, and they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is going out and winning games. Now, for for Minnesota, I think you have to look at when you talk about full body of work. I mean, they only have one top 50 uh or they have no top 50 Ken Palm wins. I mean their their best win to this point is probably Nebraska. Um outside of that, I mean we just talked about Michigan and Maryland who are their two most most recent wins. Uh, but over the years that's just those aren't games that Minnesota wins. Right. Um and I, that may show you how down those those two other teams are. Uh, I think Elijah Hawkins has been incredible for them what, what he's done facilitating and unlocking a few of those other guys on that on that team i'd probably still go with nebraska mm. um i think they have the best win between the two of them beating michigan state and and i just speaking of nebraska like i just i really like their pieces i yeah. think bryce williams was a really good pickup because you were going to go out and get a six seven guy that could space the floor he's gone and done that he's 37 percent from from three and uh, Mass was also a, a great pickup out of the portal coming from Bradley. Um, yeah, he's he's given them a different element to be able to kind of play through him, but he he can also step out. Uh, Tominaga, your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you get Gary back, who's who's been awesome, especially around the rim this year. Uh, Lawrence, it, you know, Wilcher. They, you know, Alec is another guy that that came from New Mexico and. Um, I think they just did really well in the portal. Another guy that hasn't played this year because he got popped for the gambling was uh, Aaron Eulis, who I think would have been another solid backcourt piece for them. So I like what Hoiberg's done going and getting guys in the portal. Like this isn't new for him. This is what he did at, Ohio- at Iowa State. Uh, he went out and got DeAndre Kane. He went out and got, um, you know, I think I think Naz Long might have been a transfer as well. So uh, both those guys uh, have – I've done what they're supposed to do and, and, and win games in, in a big 10 that definitely in the middle is, is pretty open. Um, so if they can find ways to not be, and you just, you're so used to, to, uh, to Nebraska and Minnesota being that first night mm-hmm. or first day of the big 10 tournament type of teams. But, you know, maybe this is the year they play themselves out of that. Yeah. Mike, uh, every week is is big during uh big 10 play, but um, Illinois, according to Ken Palm is projected to win or be favored in 14 straight games. But this feels like a big week to protect that home court, right? No matter if it's Shannon on the court or not, like protect your home court, win a good potential quad one game. Not many of them left against Michigan state and take care of business against a Maryland team. That just looks like it's a bit of a train wreck right now. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is where you're going to be tested. I think Um, Northwestern played a style, like I said, that really lends itself to how you want to play. And that's a big reason you've, you kind of dog walked them. Um, and then you go to Mackey playing the number one team in the country. You're going to lay it on the line for that game, even though the first few minutes of that game was was rough. 
now you have these two, you know, you, you have a few like middling teams now. Michigan State is probably, I think they're still going to end up being top five-ish, top six maybe in the conference. But for Michigan State, Maryland, Michigan, I mean, you're they're Maryland and Michigan are get to the point are gonna get to that point where it's like you play you have these expectations and then you're like playing tight because you're not meeting those. Eventually those teams will cross the threshold of like, screw it, house yep. money, things are going wrong, let's just let it fly. And that's when those teams become dangerous because they still have talent. So you gotta be you gotta be wary of that. But if you look, if you win, if you win these three games. Right. I mean, these especially these next two, you get to four and one. If you're able to take care of Michigan on the road. Then you get to five and one Rutgers Northwestern. Like there are wins to be had and, and you can really put yourself in a good position because, well, I mean, that think about that last week of or last week or two of, of Big Ten play. You got both Wisconsin and Purdue. Yep. So all these games matter if you want to put yourself in position for those games to uh, to mean something as it pertains to a Big Ten title. So we'll see. Michael Tulip, you're the goods, man. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Great stuff, as always, from Michael Tulip. Obviously, we will try to keep you informed on everything uh, that happens with Illinois basketball this week, including two games and uh, whatever comes of this court case with Terrence Shannon. Uh, we will do a football podcast, I think, at some point this week. Joy Wagner just did a way-too-early look at the spring depth charts. Never too early, but uh, the spring depth chart we looked at, all the additions they could bring. Uh, go check that out at Illini Inquirer. But Illinois just added uh, a key piece, a four-star transfer, tight end Cole Rusk, coming home after three years uh, lower levels, Eastern Michigan for two years, then became an FCS All-American uh, at Murray State as a needed pass-catching tight end. Joey and I will react to that, but obviously a very good story. I caught up with Cole and his dad, Steve, who was a U of I wrestler uh, back in the uh, 90s under Mark Johnson. Uh, both kind of took these long, um, uneven paths to Illinois, but uh, Cole grew up a huge Illini fan. Uh, did a big story on him talking about some of that, and and some he had some really good stories. So go check out that at Illini Inquirer. Uh, but I'm also doing a film review on him, so I'll have that up uh, later in the week as well. But, of course, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on everything Illinois basketball. Brad Underwood meets with the media, and we'll see what comes of this uh, TRO hearing uh, and where the judge rules on this and, and what it means for Illinois basketball and Terrence Shannon moving forward. Thank you for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, and review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. All those things to help us out. We really, really appreciate that. And check out all the latest VIP on Illini Enquirer. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.